Hello and welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Wal Hatter and with me is Hen Mizaina. This episode will be talking about the Sharjah Biennial, um, going through the, uh, the themes of it, as well as the actual on-ground locations, as well as our favorite pieces. An extra little thing that we have as well is that Hin Mizena is one of the artists of the Charge of Biennial, so I will also be asking her about um, her piece specifically and the interaction with the, with the Biennial in general. So Hind, uh, please start off, because you were there the first week, I wasn't there on opening week, please give us an intro of the whole, uh, of the whole biennial as well as what happened in there, and then we'll start talking about our, um, our joint pieces and the, and the details of it. Hey, well, yeah, the Sharjah Biennial, it started on the uh, 10th of March, and it's until the 12th of June. The opening week uh, included, uh, obviously, the reveal of all the work, uh, in the different locations in Sharjah and lots of talks and performances and screenings. Uh, the title of this year's uh, edition of the Biennial is Tamawaj, uh, which means um, waves, and it also means um, a flowing and a swelling or fluctuation. And it's uh, curated by Christine Tomei. And it's a biennial that's going to go on beyond Sharjah throughout the rest of the year. Uh, there's already been one uh, uh, part of it that happened in Dakar just before Sharjah. Uh, the following uh, cities participating, not as biennials, but as off-site projects. It's going to include Istanbul, Ramallah, and end in Beirut in October. So it's a biennial that involves a lot of um, i think thinking and discussions and collaborations uh, and the theme itself uh, with tamawaj it's also focusing on four keywords uh, water crops earth and culinary and that's where these four cities are involving where they're each city is focusing on one of those keywords and in charge itself uh, the the biennial uh, includes a whole range of works. A lot of it was commissioned for the biennial itself. Yes, as well as an online portal, correct? That's right, tamawaj.org. So that's uh, another um, standalone on you know publications online. It's got commissioned writing. It's got essays. Uh, lots of you know well-renowned. Uh, artists and writers are uh, contributing to it so definitely worth a visit and it's got uh, writings in different languages so it's got in Arabic and Turkish and, and in English uh, and yeah I definitely recommend people visiting it so even if you can't actually see any of the artworks I would definitely urge people to go to tamawaj.org to have a look at it because a lot of uh, writing on that website touches upon all the themes uh, I just uh, mentioned. And for all our listeners, the uh, the, bi- the biennial in charge is actually on until uh, kind of the first couple of weeks of June. Uh, and if you don't necessarily want to kind of go and venture alone, they do have tour buses every Saturday. So this is a great opportunity to go with the family and check out all the different locations because there are quite a few and we'll get into those later on. As well as they have uh, cont- a continuing program. So there's always film screenings as well as um, uh, some kind of production. And a lot of these also involve schools and community outreaches. So when you go onto their website or even, ironically enough, the Universe on Universe website is a little bit better with the information, you'd be able to get all these activities. So don't think it's just stuck into one or two events, but it is a continuing um, continuing piece. And, of course, the, for the ones who know, the earlier the better because it does get warm uh, rather quickly in the Emirates. Definitely sign up to the Sharjah Art Foundation's website, so sharjahart.org. And uh, as you said, well, it's been a really uh, very extensive um, uh, activities that's 
part of the biennial and it's been quite interesting seeing a lot of workshops targeting children and targeting actually you know making things whether it's food or something to do with you know wood or clay and um, every time I see pictures or hear about it they're mostly well attended I've been quite impressed by the amount of activities that's uh, happening in addition to the actual biennial, which really engages with um, the community in charge or anyone interested in taking part. So like I said, whether they're like photo walks or the tours or the workshops uh, or the film screenings. So definitely do have a look if you're in the UAE. Definitely make time to go to Sharjah and, and see all of this. We had quickly mentioned in our review over the uh, for the season that this was... Uh, a, a really well put together uh, biennial because a lot of times in comparison you have biennials where the theme lacks and, 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 and falters while this one and we'll, we'll get through it even in more detail when you talk about the specific pieces but has a grounding in an actual uh, I guess well briefed, well presented, well understood one which is why as you've said all these extensions and all this extra work does pay off and I'm, and I'm really proud to be a Sharjah boy that to have this biennial kind of get bigger and stronger uh, as well as Christine Nome's vision and really push it further for for this year. Um, so now let's get to the to the to the depth of it. Uh, as we had mentioned, which is why the tour bus is there, is that there are multiple locations in and around uh, the Sharjah main city where you'd be able to to capture and interact. Of course, the main hub is the Al Muraja Square, um, which then extends to the rest. Unfortunately for me, I was only in town for a few days, so I was able to see Mirage Square as well as Calligraphy Square and Art Square, but not go further to Hamriya Studios um, or the rest. Yeah, I mean, the three locations you mentioned are all within walking distance from each other. It's uh, in an easy-to-reach uh, um location in Sharjah. So Almoreja Square was also known as Sharjah Art Spaces. So there's been a bit of a rebranding that happened recently. And yeah, I mean, there's lots of work to see within these spaces. Calligraphy Square mostly has a lot of video uh, pieces, but there's lots of installations and uh, interesting work, as I said. Uh, beyond uh, Almoreja Square, Calligraphy Square, and the Art Square, which includes also Beit al-Sarkal, so that's another uh, big house that has a lot of work, there's Alhamriya Studios, which is... Um, around like half an hour by uh, a car ride from Sharjah. So it's part of Sharjah, but it's between Ajman and Umul Kawain, uh, and it's by the sea. So the drive's interesting. It's, you know, take, think of it as a short road trip where you'd, you kind of, you know, uh, venture off to Hamriya Studios. Um, and the Hamriya Studios is a really great story because it's a newly built space by the Sharjah Art Foundation, which in the long-term plan is for it to be art studio spaces. So I don't know what, uh, how to go about uh, acquiring a space there or renting it. But at the moment, uh, it's got 19 artists featured there, a really minimalist-looking building, quite slick. It's one floor only in a almost uh, rectangular shaped and you walk around all uh, uh, four sides and see work and some of the work there is really quite quite dense like lots of really long video pieces uh, uh, once 12 hours so you know you don't have to stay there for all 12 hours but that that's how how, how rich and dense the work is um, there's also work at the flying saucer and the flying saucer for those who don't know was a building that's gone through like, lots of uh, different uh, iterations. It used to be a supermarket, used to be a fast food joint, used to be a cafe, and it's a building that got acquired by Sharjah Art Foundation a few years ago. Uh, so there's a, a whole bunch of artists featured there. 
there's also the old Sharjah Planetarium, which is one of the most adorable buildings in Sharjah. I'm not sure how long it's going to last. Uh, I've been hearing things about it potentially being demolished, but there's um, one artist featured there, and it's a sound artist. So definitely go to see the building and and, uh, and experience the sound piece there. We're, we're lucky that uh, versus two years ago where there was that four-hour bus ride into the middle of uh, for the ice factory. It was... <laughs> Well, <laughs> yes, that was on the East Coast, and that was the furthest distance, and that was in a converted ice factory. I thought that was a fun, I mean, it's it's great when you go there, because that was a very interesting and quite kind of intense uh, installation in that space, and it also mattered when you went, because it played with light and shadows, and and... Yeah, but it didn't make it easy. It did make it easy, but I think, you know, you commit to it and it encourages people to just get out of their usual, you know, comfort zone and, and, and go and explore. For me, it was an exploration. <laughs> well, I guess for me, it's uh, the, the getting out of the comfort zone is to checking out the art. And this year, uh, alongside being uh, quite well produced and, and, and thought of, it's also simpler to, to maneuver. It's all easy to get to, even without the tour bus. Uh, and this, uh, with a Google or the signage, you can figure it out and, and charge, and it's quite simple. Yeah, they're all uh, easily found on Google Maps. They're all uh, there, and the information desk at the Sharjah Art Foundation has a, a, a flyer which lists everything, and everything's numbered, so you know, you know. So if you want to totally dedicate time and, and look at work, you can go and start ticking things. You know, if you want to be a total art nerd about it, there's one more location uh, to mention, which actually is quite a random and odd one, and it's within Sharjah, and it's actually a roundabout, and I. And with that work, it's just one artist, Vikram Devesha, who we've mentioned and talked about in uh, past episodes. But this whole project, I think, is a work in progress. And it's a work that he's engaged with farmers. And it's about planting something on that roundabout. I have no idea what's the status of the roundabout. But part of it is also kind of negotiating and the bureaucracy of getting things done. So it's dealings with, you know, the municipality, etc. But that's one of the locations uh, within charge. I haven't been to it myself, but yeah, just FYI. You might be driving around uh, a roundabout, which is actually an art piece. <laughs> and before we get into our individual pieces, I want to talk about one positive thing and one negative thing that I had experienced going around it. Um, okay, let's, I guess let's start with the negative and end with the positive. The negative thing is I had a really big problem with the actual map and signage of the uh, biennial itself which is a bit surprising because with so many artists, so many designers, you'd expect it to be clearer. Um, keep in mind, though, inside each of the art piece, the labeling and the write-ups were really wonderfully done, so I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the map-to-signage um, situation. Because on my little map, and, and this is mainly for the Marasia calligraphy um, square area, you have it, it's not really, you don't have... It's not put into context, so you're not exactly sure where you are uh, compared to the different areas. Uh, so, for example, when I walked to Al-Mareja, um, from Al-Mareja to Calligraphy Square, and me being a Sharjah person walked it before, there were lots of constructions, there was no signage there, so I, I got lost, and Google wasn't necessarily very helpful for something so small in between, and I had to go around for a while until figuring out where I'm going to go just because I didn't take the normal route or, or the car route. So that is, so just keep in mind uh, that that might happen. Um, but I'll get to the positive things. And then in, inside the Marija Square itself, 
um, you had different numbers uh, that were shown versus the house numbers, and, you, and I had to kind of do a little bit of math to figure out which is which, and then kind of keep rotating the map around and and see where it is. So that would be my only kind of harsh criticism: is that the the map, the the site map, was not. Um, friendly or, or helpful for me, and I'm assuming most people as well. Although on the positive side, everybody who worked there was helpful and charming and pleasant. From the person kind of guarding uh, the piece to to the to the to the younger um, guys and girls sitting inside um, and kind of handing out papers, they were they were always interested in you and in the art so imagine just a random gardener asking me oh this is a brazilian piece are you from brazil so a little bit of this just shows how much care and effort charge out foundation puts into this biennial year by year and people do feel like this also belongs to them not just some kind of random foreign nuisance coming on and bothering them so in that end i like hands down the most the most positive, enriching human interaction I've had ever in, in anything art-related. I agree with you about the staff, uh, and it's something that I've noticed for many times, so when it's a biennial year or when there's other exhibitions, uh, there's this investment in being interested in the work, so be the security guard who, yeah, you can actually sit and talk about the work with, um, or, you know, and ask questions, and, you know, there'll be interesting answers from them to the interns, to the, the Charger Art Foundation team, and this specific year, because I was one of the artists, so I know I'm not reviewing the biennial, so this is just me sharing my experience, and because I kept seeing a lot of um, the people working there regularly because I was, uh, you know, setting up. And yeah, no, it's just a really warm, very friendly, very comforting place where everyone, uh, as you said, you know, feel part of it. Like they, there's pride in what's being done, right? From every, and, and it's from everyone. And it's not, you know, like senior people only or only the artists or people dealing with the artists, like everyone around. Uh, so yeah, and and I I get your point about the map maybe not being as easy, but then part of it, as you said, is you ask around and it's so fantastic because people there are really happy to direct you. And part of it is, yeah, there might be these buildings which are behind other buildings and, you know, and, and for you to walk through these alleyways to find what's going on. And you might even walk through ongoing things that happen in Moreja Square because not the entire space isn't just... Um, Sharjah Art Foundation, so there's also heritage area and, you know, the random Afghani bread maker. So the, the whole space really lends itself to being a really fun experience and especially if people go on a weekend and, you know, spend the day and, um, I mean, they've even set up a nice coffee shop within the um, art spaces I just mentioned, Moreja. So that's part of Sharjah Art Foundation. So yeah, if you want to sit and have a nice coffee or a meal, you could do that or if you want a really cheap cup of tea and Afghani bread, you could do that too. So it's really... For me, it's just a really refreshing um, experience compared to the very kind of zoned and sanitized, uh, um, you know, art experience you see in Dubai, right? Where everything's in galleries or in, um, you know, or we talk about like Al Sarkal Avenue, where in Sharjah just feels it's part of the city. I think what makes it appealing is that you're feeling the city as well as as uh, as as you're experiencing the biennial. And with that, now let's talk about the our favorite uh, pieces. Uh, we can go section by section and kind of really cut down to the ones that are caught, caught our attention most. Um, ladies first, Hint, let's please start with you. All right. So um, my favorite pieces, uh, first one I'm going to mention is uh, by Alaro and Calzadia, and it's called The Great Silence. And it's a three-channel video uh, piece. It's around 16 minutes long. And uh, two screens have these really... Uh, 
beautifully filmed uh, scenes from uh, uh, Puerto Rico. It's footage of the Arecibo Observatory, which is the largest telescope in the world, which I wasn't aware of before. And it's also footage of the surrounding forest around it, which is very lush and green. And in between these two screens is a screen that's uh, just black with writing and it's text uh, that the artist uh, worked on with uh, author Ted Chiang, who, um, side note, uh, the movie Arrival, which came out uh, sometime last year, is based on one of his books. So uh, he writes a lot about science fiction. And uh, so, yeah, these artists worked with him and they um, and their text on the screen is basically words from the point of view of, the, of um, a parrot. So this forest that's surrounding this giant telescope is full of these birds and and then it's a discussion about exploration of space because there's this giant uh, telescope that's uh, reaching out to space. Uh, but it's also um, the words are really from the parrot's point of view where it's thinking about how long do they have uh, uh, on this life. And to me, it's about kind of the uh, adventures and curiosity of knowing what's out there. We're more than just planet Earth, but also what is happening on planet Earth and, you know, the, the, the destruction and things that are disappearing or things that aren't cared for, you know, like climate and people and poverty. So it's one of those pieces where I really like sitting and looking at the beautifully shot visuals, but also reading the text and um, and just, yeah, letting your mind wander. And there's this one one line that I quite liked in it. And it said, you be good. I love you. And it's one, you know, like, what would you say if you do meet, um, you know, something that's out there in space? Um so yeah, that's one of my uh, one of the pieces that I enjoyed uh, visiting actually several times, and I encourage you to go and 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 watch it too. Speaking about videos and installations, um, the, mine was I, I saw this one. I wasn't necessarily as keen on it as I was the Meta Haven piece. The Meta Haven piece in a, in, in the same area around it is also video about twenty four minutes long, and it's. It's called Information Skies. Um, and this is like a, a, a movie, but it's kind of a combination of, of digital um, as well as animation and normal filming, kind of fusing it together. But like you had said, it's, it, it, and, and all of them, again, will go, the theme was, was really well um, combined through everything. Um, here for them, how you talk about kind of looking in space and figuring it out, this is more about finding your space inside the world. Um, whether you live online, whether you live in, uh, in in the real world or in your imaginary world, it's about really finding where you are. And again, we connect this to the to the temawaj or to the waves or to that kind of natural idea of of existing, but without that kind of that harshness. And and as you'll see, the three pieces that I've or the three or four pieces that I've liked were had this positive growth effect. And and this is what caught me in Meta Haven. It even gave me a tiny little bit of surprising. Uh, a tear to my eye just because of that happy sadness of look where we are but I need to find something I need to go as well as a really interesting visual combination uh, and the artists here are are, are from the Netherlands uh, Vina Crook, Daniel van der Velden and they are together at Meta Haven yeah, I remember Meta Haven, and what stayed with me was the music. I was really uh, engrossed by it with the music, uh, and I, I've only seen parts of it. I haven't had a chance to sit through the entire 24 minutes, but I do plan to go, uh, just because there are a lot of video pieces at the Biennial this year, and I've actually listed them all out, and I'm planning to go and just focus on the video pieces only, you know, just so like a mini kind of art video uh, 
personal, you know, festival. <laughs> you, there was one that caught my eye, which is a piece by Roy Deeb. And uh, as I understood, Roy Deeb also had a, a, parallel, uh, a parallel theatrical piece in the first week that, that you had seen. Um, would you give a, would you give the audience a tiny bit of description before I talk about this piece here? Sure, it was just a one-time performance, a sixty-minute play uh, called "Close to Here," and it uh, it stars Julia Kassar, uh, but it's also got musicians, and it's almost a um, monologue piece that addresses. Uh, civil war, loss of family, uh, people who stay behind and having to deal with the war, even though after their loved ones have have died, and I, I think it's dealing with grief and dealing with loss and uh, and this hard memory of war. And and throughout this monologue, you know, she's on stage and it's almost like she's stitching and knitting because she's surrounded by lots of really big textile pieces, which eventually gets uh, pulled up. Um, behind her and it appears like this big backdrop. When I saw that I, li I linked it to the piece that I think you want to talk about. And funnily enough, the I hadn't read any of the information about any of the pieces before going to the biennial, so most of it was me stumbling and, and, and really figuring things out. And with Roy Deep's piece, which is called Here and There, it's a kind of fabric, uh, multiple uh, material, kind of polyester-y, cottony thing attached together like pretty big 600 by 240 centimeters and kind of hung between two buildings uh, like a large covering and it flops. So when I was walking around, I, I thought it was just there to, to kind of cut people from moving. But then because it was loose, the wind was flowing and it kept flowing back, which which was kind of funny and, 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 and cute because I remember I was just standing there being, being sheltered from the sun, which is kind of part of the piece itself, uh, kind of figuring out the map. Is when that happened. So I kind of moved under it and I saw another space, then, which gives you thinking about, about, not necessarily about war specifically, but now it makes a lot more sense. It's about kind of dissections and divisions between an area and an area, what belongs to somebody, what belongs to somebody else. And then when I crossed, that's when I actually realized it was an art piece because the other section had the, the bio and info written on the wall. And that was quite interesting because it had that vibrancy to it without again without showing the negativity uh in it but but really really developing and and it was quite interesting just because again like i said it was it was quite playful but still once you read it, it connects to the idea of of sheltering somebody from the sun as well as shelter as well as the division which which they had in the show and how this moves on the the, the large fabric is very uh, similar if not the same to the one in the in the play and, and finally, at the uh, Muraja Square, because um, most of my pieces were, were there, and this one, again, um, dear listeners, I'm not uh, being coy, but I remember because I walked in, I saw the piece, I thought it was fabulous, I turned around, and I read Hind's name, and I called her directly, so I didn't know that it was Hind uh, until the end, because I usually like to look at the piece, absorb it, and then read about it. Um, so yeah, so this would go into, into mine, because... It, you walk into and it's in a closed room with a with a with a large window. Half of the room has these small blue visuals of plants, while the other half had six typed up paragraphs on the wall. Um, so to start off, um, Hen, now that we have you here, uh, I would like you to please explain this blue photography, non-photography production, which on on the bio it said that it's a. Uh, Sinotype, which is a mid-19th century process, camera-less photography. 
maybe connect to us why why your piece was chosen by you uh, and what it meant. Uh, but quickly before we go into that, um, the Hind's, Hind's piece is called Dubai Gardens, um, and it's a like I said, it's a collection of prints, and it's all about the at least visually you see it's, it's all this kind of wall of of um, of vegetation of of kind of close close inspection looks of vegetation, um, which almost sometimes look like they're aquatic or, or alien, while some are very clear to be uh, to be plants. And and then you read the, the writings, and it kind of explains about kind of the the construction and the man-made and sometimes accidental formation of all these green happening in Dubai over the years. So off to you now, Hind, if you can give us, first of all, a quick uh, description about the technique, why you chose this technique, and then how you translated the, the piece into into that. All right. I just want to say it does feel odd to talk about my work on this uh, episode on, or on the podcast. And personally, it's been an amazing experience to be part of the biennial. So I, I just want to say, like all these years, I've been going as a fan or as a you know interested in, in in the art. And this year, to be one of the artists has been, uh, like I said, a quite quite a, a, a personal and positive uh, experience. Um, started off with discussions with the curator uh, Christine Tommy who also on the side note, I just want to say a woman I totally admire. And she saw my work and she, um, after speaking to her, she, you know, a lot of my, the work I do is about Dubai and just kind of my dealings with the city. And, um, and then she saw just a small work, which were kind of just studies. And it was, it was a, a little garden. And she asked me what that was. And I said, it was just this kind of perfectly manicured garden that came out of nowhere opposite one of the sales development offices and how these things crop up you know once uh, some announcement for some new uh, construction uh, is going on and the sales office is set up and suddenly out of nowhere this beautifully uh, beautiful garden appears out of nowhere and then she started questioning me about how let's start looking at green spaces in Dubai and what do these green spaces mean or where are these green spaces and then with that I started thinking about uh, green spaces that are public, that are private, that are accessible, that are camouflaging something. And uh, I proposed a series of photos that focuses on the green spaces. And all of, from the beginning, she told me she wants me to work with a writer, and it could be an urbanist or an architect. And I uh, straight away thought of Todd Rees, because he's a writer who writes a lot about Dubai. We've had many years of discussions about Dubai. And so I thought of him right away. And then trying to think of what kind of writing was a challenge because what would the writing be? Because I was still trying to put together my proposal, which, as I said, was a series of photos. But with the proposal, I included a small sample of the cyanotype prints that you mentioned. And cyanotype prints is really uh, chemically treated paper. And don't ask me for the actual chemical names because I'm terrible at remembering that. But it's paper that you, if you expose it out to the sun, uh, anything on that paper is marked on the paper. Um, so it's like you're exposing negatives, you know, like photography when you uh, go out and take pictures uh, with, with film, and this is with uh, with paper. And this could also be done on, on textiles. It's the chemicals that you mix, and it could be on paper or on textile. I use pre-treated uh, papers, so it wasn't something I, you know, mixed myself. But I put a very small sample of these, saying these would be my kind of my personal memento, so small uh pieces that would have an imprint of some of the leaves or plants I would see around and when she saw that she was really interested in that process and the aesthetics of it and she said something about that should be the core 
work and not the photographs. So then I thought about scale. I'm like, okay, I just put like two very small, um, like almost postcard size of these as, you know, part of uh, what I was going to think of them as research material. And and with that, I this the thing I thought of right away were vertical gardens. So this new recent trend that you see outside buildings or inside restaurants and they've got these vertical gardens. And I thought my version of these vertical gardens would be a wall of uh, multiple prints of the cyanotype. And at the biennial, you'll see over 100 of these prints. And they range from uh, A4 to uh, A5 and even smaller prints. And the idea was I would, um, from my drives around the city, I would collect uh, like plants, you know, something that's fallen off or I pluck away. And I would place them on the, on the paper and put them out in the sun for 10, 15 minutes, bring them back indoors, take off the objects and wash the paper. And then what you see the white part of it is what the object was, right? So it's almost like a like a negative. Or some people even said it was like an x-ray of, of these objects. And the part that's exposed to the sun, that, so that's not covered, is what turns into this uh, deep blue that you uh, mentioned earlier. Um, and with the work I did, um, it's based on what, say, like botanists would do in the late 19th century. And it was like when people were recording plants or making a... A documentation and a study and that's the kind of process uh, they would use because this was before photography as we know it um, and with what I did I placed these objects and it played with light obviously because that's the uh, core uh, element I need but it also played with wind because you'll find some objects that look um, almost blurry so like a blurred photo because some of these objects actually move. So when it moves, you know, it lays another kind of mark on the paper. So there's over a hundred of these pieces. I called it Dubai Gardens because again, I'm playing on the title of, um, you know, property here. So there's a, a, you know, one of the development areas is called Dubai Gardens. And this is kind of my version of Dubai Gardens. And the idea is to think about, yeah, green spaces in Dubai and what you see and uh, and plants and what where do these plants come from? And some might be obvious. So, you know, you'll, you'll notice like palm, fronds on it but there's also some flowers etc now the the text accompanying this ended up becoming uh and they're more than six by the way i know you said six but they're more than six is around 12 of them or 14 i can't remember now myself but it's uh, a series of short um, snippets and they're writings from uh, todd's research about dubai and they're stories that also talk about the development and the ideas behind creating uh, green spaces. So when Dubai started, uh, you know, developing itself in the late 60s and 70s, and landscape artists were involved and uh, the municipality, etc. So there are lots of interesting short stories. They're historical. Uh, it's mixed with his own writing as well. So there's really kind of... Uh, there's a beautiful style to his writing as well. And they're in dialogue with my work. All right. On, and on that note, uh, we will move to the second section, which also had a lot of work uh, that we want to talk about, which is in the calligraphy square. And I don't have any pieces here that I like. It could be because I got lost 15 minutes in the heat and was grumpy. But I did see a few, and they, w they were breathtaking. But I know Hind, two of them really, really uh, caught your eye. All right, I don't want you to put people off from going to Calligraphy Square. <laughs> so, so I would definitely say, yeah, make your way to Calligraphy Square. Be aware that there's a lot of video pieces. There's a lot of rooms to go in, so you're not going to be stuck outdoors. Uh, two standout pieces for me at Calligraphy Square. Uh, one is by Lawrence Abu Hamdan, an artist I truly admire. He's a sound artist. I am 
uh, always amazed by the kind of work he does. And a lot of it, I think, is to do with the research that is involved and what he presents as an art piece. But really, there's so much depth to it and interrogation. And it's work that always stays with me. Uh, and for the biennial, uh, his piece is titled Sadnaya. The Missing 19 Decibels, and he focuses on the Sadnaya prison in Syria, which uh, already now starts off as a very heavy topic, uh, and it's based on recordings from uh, past prisoners there, where uh, he's trying to recreate uh, the architecture of the space, and it's based on verbal accounts, so there's no actual images of it, um, uh, and yeah, so with the the accounts and the stories he's getting from them over time you realize like silence was used as a torture mechanism because anyone that uttered even if they you know breathed loudly uh, for some it meant death you know so it was all about being silenced and with that silence it was it heightened the prisoner's awareness so any sound just like a security guard walking by suddenly that's um like sounds really loud to them because they're just not used to talking obviously for a long time um they're relying on whispers and 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 as things got more and more tough the whispering level had to go down and down and and he's take so the piece itself is 12 minutes long you have to go in a dark room and it's time so you can't just walk in the middle of it you have to go in when it starts so you, you, there's a very kind of specific uh, schedule on the uh, on the wall text outside the room and you go in and you start hearing it and what starts off with uh, Lawrence's voice where he explains what the different decibel uh, is for different sounds so you know sounds of the street sound of the cafe sound um of birds singing and then suddenly we're all thrown into this prison right and and you hear the voices of the prisoners but in and they speak in arabic but there is a translation over it but it's done in a way where none of it feels uh contrived or or staged etc and uh yeah you sit there and that's a, you're in a dark room and you're listening to this piece and there there is light later on but i want to explain what that is i think it's something that you should see and in, in, in witness but that's it it really really stayed with me and i think it's just because of uh the state of uh the the news coming out of Syria and w will it change things? I mean, it's one thing, you know, you see this kind of work at an art space and, um, but yeah, you leave and still feel helpless because there's nothing that many of us can do, but at least it creates awareness. It interrogates and, um, definitely one, you know, it's a, a, it's a memorable piece and one that I really, uh, strongly urge people to go to, uh, spend time with for me lawrence is is a, is a very good artist as well as a friend but this piece compared to his older pieces i thought wasn't as strong and it was a little a little bit more documentary-ish rather than artistic conceptual because the other ones before they still had witnesses he always works with real life people and real life themes but earlier on those ones always kind of gave you the the the, the positioning of it but let you kind of play around with, think about it more versus this one. I don't think it gave you much space to, for your own intention to be in, but rather just laid it out like a documentary versus an art piece. But that's just my comment on this one. Still, it is a strong piece, but, but not something that I would say is one of his better pieces. I know to me, like I, I understand what you mean about the documentary aspect, but I didn't see it that way. And, and I feel, yeah, you're thrown into it very early on because it's a topic that 
how else can you, you know, deal with a topic as heavy as this? And uh, the next piece in calligraphy square that we want to talk about is uh, is actually the oldest piece at the Sharjah Biennial. Um, as you know, not not all the pieces are are commissioned; some are collected. But this this one is f- from early on. Yeah, you're referring to Ali Jabri, uh, who uh, born in 1943 but died in uh, 2002, and in somewhat mysterious um, and violent circumstances. Uh, I believe he was murdered, but there was never uh, no one was caught for it. But this was an artist that I wasn't aware of before this biennial, and uh, the works there uh, are from the uh, late 80s to early 90s. And the one that stood out for me was uh, a series of collage work that he did during the first Gulf War. So uh, it was between 89 and 92. And it was him kind of dealing, I think, with the news and his disenchantment with the Arab world. And these collages are in... um, in in uh, boxes so you're looking at it through a a glass and you're looking down at these pieces and it includes clippings from news images uh you know representing arab nationalism and headlines um and i know there's something a a i'm interested in collage and b uh seeing an artist dealing with that in that format and there was something about it that really spoke to me um and the good thing is uh, he was one of the artists that was awarded at the biennial. So every biennial, uh, there'll be a few artists that win special prize. And his award is going to go into conserving his work. So I'm really hoping it's going to be an opportunity to see more, more work by him. I mean, in addition to these collages I mentioned, there were a, a few other works titled Amman by Midnight, uh, another piece uh, called Calendar. And, and that also included a series of uh, collages. But it's it's an artist who I think when I read his description about his disenchantment with the Arab world and in a, and it was also described as a critical chronicler of the everyday life with the passion of archaeology and cultural heritage. And he's one of those who refused. I read a line um, over there that was one of those artists who refused to leave uh, the Arab world. Like he was like he insisted on staying there. And yes, despite kind of. Uh, the disenchantment about the region but he was there and making work addressing with it so that all of that spoke to me a lot and I'm hoping I'll be able to see more of his work um, in the near future and one last piece I'll mention and this is in Hamria studio so this is just to also be able to give listeners an overview of the kind of different works uh, spread across the biennial and at that Hamria Studios, as I said earlier, there are a lot of video pieces. Some of them are quite long. And the one that I really liked was the longest. It was 12 hours uh, long. It's uh, titled Extended Sea by Nasirin Khudr. And it's a piece that uh, when you walk in, so obviously depending on the time of the day, because it cover, it starts off from darkness and goes into light, but it's a, it's, um, a video of a woman swimming across a pool, who's the artist swimming from one end of the pool to the other. But there are times when she disappears, so obviously when she's taking her break, well, uh, or resting or whatever. So there will be times when you're just looking at a video of just the water and the sky or the sea in the background. Uh, or, uh, but there are also times when you're seeing this body swimming back and forth. It starts getting into contemplation and thinking about time and distance and, and wondering, you know, this distance she's swimming back and forth in this 12 hours where where would this take her you know she swam out to sea um and yeah this kind of repetition and meditation and yeah I I obviously did not sit through all 12 hours Uh, I don't know who spent there the longest but something quite striking about that piece
now that you've listened to some of uh, some of our uh, selected uh, pieces, but remember that there are lots and lots of artists, 70 plus artists within them, um, strong uh, established names as well as some young up and coming artists. So there's this um, it's a whole array of of the way of looking at this. And as we said earlier early on in the show, it is a well groomed, brought together um, biennial. So the themes quite connect to everything else. And my, my, me, myself, I'm going to be back to Sharjah uh, early June, so I'll probably catch the last weekend of the bases that I've missed in uh, Hamaria Square and the uh, Flying Saucer. And look out for the events that are happening in Istanbul, Ramallah, and Beirut up until the end of October. So thank you for listening to us. And please remember, you can subscribe and rate Tea with Culture on iTunes as well as SoundCloud. And these are, of course, free to download. We would love to hear your comments there as, as well as Twitter, where we are at Tea with Culture. Thank you very much.